oh, maybe after a week off, Scotty won't make me do this show anymore and I can just have a night to myself. Surprise, motherfucker! It's fun fiction! Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly show about movies, TV, and how the internet ruins it. I am your host, Scotty Moore. And I'm your other host, Brenna Clark. I missed you guys. How you doing? Yes, we had to be away for a week, and the only reason is because I had to go to Disney World, and not because I didn't watch any episodes of Dexter in the downtime. Your work ethic really leaves something to be desired, I'm just going to say. I mean, there was a moment, because we weren't able to record Monday for a reason that I... Oh, that's because, and I don't know if we've talked about it on Fun Fiction yet, Monday was the day I saw my baby for the first time, because I'm having one, (laughs) and I spent the rest of the day in just, like, this panic of, like... Oh, shit. I gotta get a lot of people on our Patreon real quick. Well, now, that's that's really low to kick people into, I'm having a baby, give me money, groin there. Brenna, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. It's not like I'm the man who, underneath my Facebook post announcing that I, I was... Saw, ha- I saw that. <laughs> oh, my Facebook post! I was like, I know you guys are happy, but if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash a load of BS for the newest podcast, Baby. Just, just Baby, that's it. Yeah. Oh, so we're doing Dexter this week, by the way. <laughs> Not babies. And I know we mostly, we've covered a lot of firsts. Like, Supernatural was my first real fandom. And this was my first, I don't know how to say it, I guess, grown-up show? Grown-up show. Because, like, I got obsessed with How I Met Your Mother for a while there, but I don't consider that, like, ever, like, I feel like if a old woman at her home can be on the same level of fandom as me it's not it's not a fandom i guess that doesn't make any sense but live your dream i'm I'm sorry i'm just like (laughs) how i met your mother i didn't consider to be like a real in-depth show you can jump in wherever whereas dexter was the first time i was ever like obsessed with a thorough plot line and characters and stuff I guess I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I realized something, and that this is a show that's great for adults. Y- yeah. <laughs> Angst, mean... angst, angsty 17-year-old Scotty is not a person who needs to watch this show. Did, did it make you want to murder people? Now, Brenna, let's not let's not go there. Let's not say those words. Oh yeah, people will actually listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that Angsty Scotty did get to a point where he was just like, "I'm going to find the killers and take them out. I'm gonna be new Dexter," and like I got really into blood and like blood spatter stuff, like Dexter. Well, to be honest, I've always like had that bone inside of me somewhere, the morbidity bone. Where well, I, I feel like you it came from Twilight. With me it no. came it came <laughs> it, it came from Michael C. Hall just like, I'm gonna talk real monotone and then kill some fuckers. No, it came from the X Files straight up because I wanted oh. to be a coroner for most of my life. And then I was like, oh, no, maybe not. And then watching Dexter, I was like Ooh, blood sure is pretty. (laughs) Right? Like, that's the one thing, that's the biggest takeaway from this show for me, was how pretty blood is. And don't, like, how fun would, like, be recreating the blood splatter, because you get to just, like, hit things and shoot things and... I don't know. I sound sound crazy right now. Well, no, uh, friend of the show, Brian Brushwood, on his show Modern Rogue, they did an episode with Macaulay Culkin, I don't know why, about blood spatter and, like, 
how to analyze a crime scene bla- based on blood spatter, and that was when I was like, you're speaking to me, Brian. You understand <laughs> me. This is my language. You got it. Also, I really wanted every piece of merch this show came out with. Like, the... Do you remember, like, the coasters they would sell that were like the blood slides? Yes! I wanted those so badly. And also, I bought a lot of thermal shirts. Oh my god. So I could look like Dexter. I I have only wore, or owned one thermal shirt in my life, and it was given to me by a boy much bigger than I. And I don't know why he gave it to me but it's white and it exists i'm picturing it and it's the most adorable i'm seeing you and you look like mabel in my head (laughs) that's basically how it is um but yeah dude like every single thing this was another instance of a show where i was like i want to be that character until i grew up and was like huh death ain't cool (laughs) well to be fair he is doing a service to his community <laughs> uh some are garbage men some are pedophile murderers you know yeah. so it's not like you're you're killing like little Susie down the street you're you're killing like the bad dude yeah because um, to quote ep- episode one why not kids? I have standards, which is the most dope serial killer line. But I, I feel like this show, and then I'm going to cut it back to How I Met Your Mother. Because oh how, how I Met Your Mother, I loved Barney. Because I'm like, he's a one-note character, but the one-note plays really well. He's like ACDC. And then when they're like, <laughs> then they were like, but let's give him a girlfriend now and start the relationship with Rob and make it all lovey-dovey. That's when I was like, wait. No, fuck this. That's not the Barney I knew. I had the same feeling with Dexter once they started showing Dexter having, like, emotions. Now, that's not fair and not very nice at all. You don't want Dexter to, like, be normal. No, I didn't. He's a psychopath. That's what endeared him to me. No, this is wrong. Totally wrong. Like, he's not, I don't think he's, uh, that sounds terrible for me to say that. I don't think he's a psychopath. He just, he was groomed by his, like, adoptive father to be a serial killer. Like, that's not his fault, I don't feel like. Yeah, but, like, the whole point in episode one is he's, like, literally laying out why he is a psychopath. He's like, I literally cannot feel any emotions. I'm just trained very well to take them on. And then later he's showing off real emotion. And I'm like, no, this isn't fair. But if if you are in an environment for a long enough period of time, I feel like you would start to absorb things. So yeah, like whatever, I don't care at first, but he's, stays for so long with these people that it's hard for them not to chip in under the surface, you know? Well, I I feel like there's also, like, telltale hints that he's not a psychopath. Like, in episode one, he literally says, I don't have feelings, but if I did have feelings, I would have them for my stepsister, Deborah." And that's, like, Uh the ultimate of, like... (laughs) Firstly, gross. But secondly, <laughs> but secondly, it is also that telltale sign of like, wait, he does have emotion. He just does not want to admit it to himself. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, let's. I don't. You're just like I don't want to talk about Deborah and Dexter again because mm, gross. Not this soon. I mean, I just. It's it, that's one of those things that happened after I got out of Dexter and then one time I went back it's like when I went back on Supernatural and they were just like and in this season they're going to alternate dimensions and I was like okay th- something's fucking happened on this show the same mm-hmm. thing happened with Deborah, where I just like logged in once and they were just like and Deborah admits that she's in love with Dexter and I'm like what the fuck is happening which okay you know what fine valid who wouldn't be in love with michael c hall he's he's a striking man but listen i just i don't i can't get behind it i can't (laughs) yeah even if it is stepsister i don't care but see it's the same i'm gonna reroute this back to twilight and (laughs) how Everyone was so weirded out that all the Cullen kids were, like, together because they are adopted siblings. And you're right. It's a little weird. They 
live under the same roof and they share parents. It's kind of gross. Yeah. It's it's kind of the worst. Um, but yeah, no, going back, Michael C. Hall is a precious fucking little nugget that this he world is. did not deserve. Have you ever, did? have you watched Six Feet Under? I've not. I really want to. It's very good. That's where I first saw him and I was like, oh, precious baby. And then watched him grow up to kill people. So there's that. Did you watch him in Gamer, where he has the most dope killing scene of all time? Cause he's I don't just, even know what that is. Gamer is a 2006... No, I don't know when it came out. But it's a <laughs> film where Gerard... It's a video game, but you control a real dude, and Gerard Butler's the main dude. But Michael C. Hall is the bad guy, and he, like, fucking disco dances before he like starts a fight scene and it's nice. so good yeah i can get behind that i just love it because you can tell michael c hall has like i don't know how to say this he has a flamboyant spirit that is so delightful to see behind the mask of having to play a psychopath yeah it's it's pretty amazing how stark of a difference it is between like he himself and the character which i mean acting duh but yeah dexter looks like he could break out in jazz hands at any point and i'd be like yeah i could get it i'm down with this i actually would not hate that Mm -hmm. um did you ever read any of the books i did um i don't know how many i know for sure that i read like the first two or three and they are wildly different the yeah the First, I read the first one, and my favorite part is the scene where he's describing, like, waking up in that puddle of blood as a baby, and that scene is just so beautifully written in the book, and I don't think it got the treatment that it needed in the show, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's kind of hard to do things like that on film, but they tried their best. Yeah. Also, apparently, Dexter is the last book, because she, uh, even after the show started, Jeff Lindsay was like, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. I don't give a damn. No, I love that about him, because, like, when fans were um, up in arms about Rita's death, like, he he was on Twitter, and he was like, dude, I don't know why you're mad. I didn't kill her. <laughs> She's still alive <laughs> in the books. I don't know. It wasn't me, dude. Um... But apparently, it has a more buckwild ending than the show, which isn't difficult. And it's that Dexter sets off a bomb on a yacht and then jumps off the yacht into the water as an explosion goes off behind him. I mean, that's pretty badass. I know, right? Meanwhile, in the show, they're like, I oh, don't know, he's a fucking lumberjack now, I guess. Oh my god, that, I don't, but the ending, I think, disappointed me more than any ending of any other show ever not how i met your mother (laughs) that was on the tip of my tongue but (laughs) brenna let's just admit it right now to everybody at home dexter and how i met your mother are the exact same show but (laughs) if you want a good ending watch six feet under that's a good ending (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the new episode it's about six feet under where we talk about dexter occasionally yeah i mean and Scotty's never seen it, so it's a fun show, guys. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing about Dexter in those thermal shirts that makes me mad. What? It's the fact that they're in fucking Miami, Brenna. Oh. Because as, as a former resident of not even South Florida, Central Florida, I can tell you right now, you don't buy thermal shirts. You don't need thermal shirts. Also, like, I don't think he ever sweats. No, he does. And this was another point that I wanted to bring up, and it's ridiculous to bring up. But this show, other than the thermal thermal shirts, perfectly encapsulates Florida. Because you'll get a shot of Dexter from the back, and he's like in a button-up shirt, and you just see sweat pouring down off off of him. It's almost like a pattern has developed on the shirt of pure sweat. And I'm like, you guys get it. (laughs) I feel you right now. I feel y'all. Also, this was the first show that the music really got me. The, like, the music and the whole thing or the theme song? 
Well, the theme song as well is very good, but just like all of the instrumental music, because like mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that would buy like the soundtrack for whatever movie, and then I would have accidentally bought the instrumental like score soundtrack and not the one that had like in sync on it, and I'm like, damn it, bought the wrong one. Um, but this was the first one where I actively sought out buying the instrumental score for the show because it was very, very well done. It is very well done, but probably not something that I would buy still because I like my music to have lyrics in it. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. I think, and this is not a joke, I think my favorite one was called The Blood Theme. And that's the one from, like, where he sees a blood in a slide and he's like, blood, it sets my teeth on edge sometimes. And other times it gives me a just a rock hard boner yeah. um yeah it's that thing i mean I, it literally it literally does yes eat. but it, i i think and i don't know if it was blood it might have been some other song but i think there's a remix on the instrumental thing of it becoming a rap i that's not what i want <laughs> i'm just looking up dexter rap <laughs> I'm sorry. First thing I got was Young God. I think I'm Dexter based freestyle. Oh God. And it samples the Dexter's Lab theme song in the no. intro. The intro is Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm Dexter. I'm the smartest motherfucker on the planet. Fuck Jimmy Neutron. I'm the smartest kid in the motherfucking universe. Oh my God. I'm Dexter. Dexter's Lab. Welcome to the Dexter's Lab podcast, where we read exclusively raps about Dexter. Dee Dee, get out my lab. Hose on my slab. Bitches in my lab. Damn, I'm Dexter. I'm a scientist. Hose on my dick. I want to cheat off my test. Oh my god. Hose on my dick, because I wear a lab coat. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dexter. Anyways. So, Blood. Blood. And it, back, back to why seven, 17 year old Scotty shouldn't have done this show. A, I did audition for UAB for a UAB scholarship. No, you using, didn't. Using a Dexter monologue. That's and that, great. Well, it was back when I thought I didn't realize how cool and hip and with it the teachers at UAB were. So I was like, I can get away with doing a monologue from anything. These people will have never heard of it. And then after meeting them, I'm like, oh, they fuck definitely know Dexter. They definitely all know Dexter. They have to, right? Yeah, it absolutely had to happen. That's one reason. Second reason is because I did and the. This is going to sound like I did a murder. I didn't do a murder, but, like, murder came up in my head a lot. Because that's what happens when you're a teenager. Yeah. And and now, as a result of that, you know, like, normal people, they get nightmares where they get killed. I have nightmares where I do a kill, and then I'm having to avoid the police from the kill. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> okay. Oh, I thought, oh, damn it, Bruna, I thought you were about to admit that you also, your nightmares involve you doing murders. <laughs> no, I, if I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure I've had murdering dreams, but not that I remember. I feel like the rest of this show needs to be me just, like, affirming the audience that I'm not a serial killer. Well, it doesn't, I, just because you murder in your dreams doesn't mean that you murder in the real. <laughs> if you kill in your dreams, you kill for real. All right, well, I guess that spoils the fan fiction that I brought today. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just kidding, I did it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, unfortunately, Dexter did turn me into a kill. I, can you be my dokes if this happens? Uh, no, because dokes is the worst, and... I, I, Brenna, what's wrong with us? It's gonna it's now an a weekly episode thing. We might as well have a new segment called Scotty and Brenna disagree on the best character in the show. Oh, uh, that is not that is far and beyond not the best character in the show. Dokes is like, the just best. Not. No, it's not. There's so many like and not even I would rate several of the big bads up above him like 
so many of them. No, because he's like the ultimate force of like, oh, will they, won't they? Will he ever find out that he's a serial killer? He's so good. Uh, I just, I got very tired of the back and forth. And I don't know. I just wanted him to be taken down a peg and Dexter did it for me. So it's good. But Brenna, it did lead to the best vines of all time. Yes, I know. (laughs) Hard eyes, motherfucker. Some fries, motherfucker. <laughs> Supplies, motherfucker. <laughs> Some pies, motherfucker. <laughs> That's I for never, you, Dean Winchester. I never saw some pies. Dude, it, it, it's all there. It's all there. Oh, my God. Okay, so wait. Who's your favorite, then? Well, that's a very hard question. If we're going to say, like... uh mainstay kind of uh secondary characters i would say probably angel i love him a lot angel was very good i do love angel um how be ever if we're gonna be doing like the bad guys uh it's a a toss-up between colin hanks and john lithgow because (laughs) holy hell the trinity killer and doomsday like blew my mind see i still and i guess it's because it's the first season and it was my first killer but icebox killer really gets to me yeah i i will say that for a long time in my life that i had my nails painted like the barbie dolls yes and it it no, I don't think anybody knew what it was, but I knew, and I was like, I'm hot shit right now. You, yeah, you knew. It was the secret. See, that's another thing. This is another show like Supernatural that, like, I think the first episode could exist on its own. Like, you don't even need a whole show to go with it. The first episode is so good on its own. Yeah, just like a little, a short and then just ends with that good cliffhanger at the end, and that's all you need. I mean, even, yeah, but I think it, it it went in some directions, and some of them were good, and then... Are you talking about the whole, or the whole show or first episode? No, the whole show. Yeah, Lumberjack Dexter did happen, Brenna. We're just going to have to accept it. No, but here's the thing. Like... <laughs> I realized, I realized that there was a storm and they were evacuating and all this, but like, Deborah was dying and he took her out of the hospital so they could go on a boat. (laughs) No. I'm sorry, I just see your face right now. It is just like getting more and more slumped over and defeated <laughs> as you describe it. Well, someone pointed out, like, even if all of that happened, have Dexter die in the same waters like he buried everyone else. I guess. Like, it fits perfectly. Have him die in the bay where he's buried all of his kills. And it's perfectly all together, but nope, he's a fucking lumberjack. Fuck you. I guess, I don't know what they were trying to do. Like, oh, just in case Netflix picks us up later. Like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I want to see something really, really quickly, because I cannot remember when it came out. Okay. The series finale came out in 2013. Now, when did Dark Knight Returns, or Dark Knight Rises come out? Because uh, it's the same fucking ending. It's literally the same ending. Just, like, a little bit different in where they end up. I don't... (laughs) I believe you, but I don't know. 2012 is when Dark Knight Rises came out, and and your hero... supposedly dies then shows up somewhere completely out of the fucking blue with a massive beard one year later dexter kills their hero then he shows up somewhere completely out of nowhere with a big fucking beard well i guess that someone was watching a little too much batman someone really enjoyed the batman and that's how they were like, let's end Dexter like that. <laughs> no, let's shoot that guy. Because <laughs> you know it was a dude. 
Yeah, but you know who I'd never shoot? Who would you never shoot even in your dreams, Scotty? All of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com slash a load of BS is the website where you can support all of us, including including a baby. There's a baby coming. You need to support me and my, my family. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> But yes, uh, you get access to our exclusive Discord, you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week, and we need some fanatics to shout out. All the other shows have people, we don't. We need some fanatics. I'm crying, don't you like me, people? Don't you like us? Don't you want my baby to eat? Oh my god, stop. That baby is not born yet, it's fine. Okay, fine. You guys have like seven months to get your Patreon shit together. But then it needs to eat. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> it's now time to read some fan fiction, which surprisingly, there was quite a bit for Dexter. See, you know, sometimes you say, well, there wasn't a lot. And this time I was prepared to say, well, there wasn't a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I get, we look on different sites, I think, so... Yeah, we just, you look in, ex- extensively, and with me, I'm like, huh, this has over seven pages. Hmm. That seems like a lot. This is the first page of the Dexter fanfiction. Oh, <laughs> this title sounds nice. Dexter kills Bart Simpson. Okay. Dexter versus Kylo Ren. Oh my god, no. Uh, well, the title of mine is called, Do You Really Want to Know? By Extra Ho. I thought you were literally asking me, and I was going to be like, no, I don't. I don't want to know it. Um, Let's begin. Doke's got the creeps off of Dexter Morgan. The lab rat had been staring at the wall for 20 minutes, but that was only the tip of the iceberg of his weird behavior. He was just weird. It seems like everything he did was fake. Every smile, every laugh, every reaction was just fake. With the determination to hassle him about the next blood report, he marched to Dexter's office. Upon entering, he barked, Morgan, got my blood report? The lab rat didn't even blink. I'll have it done for you by the end of the day. He replied softly, glancing up at the captain briefly. Dokes narrowed his eyes. He knew that look. That was the look on the face of a soldier after battle. Something was wrong. There is something fucked up about you, Morgan, he growled. One day you'll slip up and mark my words. That day I'll be there. Dexter looked up at him slowly. His eyes flickered briefly at the clock on the wall before he spoke. It's lunchtime. Don't you think... But Dokes hadn't expected what Dexter said next. Have lunch with me. What? Not long after, they were by the harbor, having decided to go for a walk while eating their lunch. You really want to know what's wrong with me? Dexter asked softly, nibbling on a bagel, still not looking at Dokes more than a split second at the time. Dokes paused. You're going to tell me? Just like that? Dexter nodded. Yeah, I figured if anyone could bear to listen, hear me out even just to state your own curiosity, it'd be you. Dokes frowned, a feeling of unease creeping up on him. A different feeling of unease than the one he usually felt from being around Dexter. It was the unease of being someone's confidant. Why not your sister? Deb isn't my sister. Not really. I remember... When we were kids, she'd make that clear on several occasions. That didn't sound like Deb. Dokes mused. How so? She wished... She wished Harry had never brought me home. This was new. You're adopted? Dexter nodded. Oh yeah, that's pretty much where my tale of fucked upness begins. Dokes snorted. So, you're another fucked up foster kid then. That's your big secret? Dexter shook his head and turned towards the sea. My big secret is... I can't feel anything. Right. That makes no sense, Doke said. Dexter turned to look at him, and when he did, he looked Doke straight in the eyes. I can't feel anything, Dokes. Anything at all. No anger, no joy, amusement, annoyance, sadness, empathy, regret, surprise, happiness... I can't feel. Dokes blinked. You're a psychopath. A humorless snort escaped Dexter. Yes, that's my big secret. Everything you know by instinct, 
what makes you happy, what to say, how to react when someone's happy, sad, scared. I had to learn. Do you have any idea how empty it feels? He used the words with irony. Not being able to feel anything at all. Not being able to connect with anyone. Knowing that you never will. That you'll never feel that random rush of happiness Deb keeps talking about when she meets someone she cares about, even loves. To not be able to feel affection for the people you know you care for. Dokes was speechless. But how? How'd you get this way? Were you born like this? Dexter raised an, eye uh, an eyebrow. How should I know? He shrugged. The official story of my life. Harry found me on a crime scene covered in inches of my mother's blood after I'd been locked up in a container for days with her dead body. I was three, no living family, and he gave me a home, taught me how to deal with my situation, taught me how to pretend and fit in. He was a good man, Dokes offered, honestly having no idea what to say, but feeling like he needed to say something supportive, feeling... Right. The real story... Harry was cheating on his wife while fucking my mother. She was an informant on a drug bust back in 73. She told him that it was too dangerous that she couldn't go back, but he made her anyway. She was a druggie, probably a hooker at some point, too. She wore multicolored nail polish on her nails. Doke's ears sharpened and his head snapped up to stare at Dexter, but before he could say anything, Dexter continued. She was killed by three men with chainsaws. I still remembered. My, brother, my mother pleaded for our lives. Me and my mother. Me and Brian. Doke's breath caught. Brian was a great brother, Dexter said. We'd play and he'd always watch out for me. I suppressed every memory I had of the time before I came to the Morgans. Harry took me seeing a child that could be salvaged. I wouldn't remember. While my brother, all he saw was another fucked up kid. Brian screamed for me. Screamed at Harry, begging him not to take me away. I asked him for days, but nothing. We'd been locked in the container, the one in the shipyard, for two days in a pool of our mother's blood, and Harry just left him. He went straight to a mental hospital while I grew up in a loving and caring family. Dokes could feel dread creeping up his spine. Funny how no matter how different our paths were, we were still so similar. Wait, was Morgan telling him what he thought he was telling him? What are you saying, Dexter? He'd been watching me for years. He... he killed those prostitutes for me. To recreate the, mother, the murder of our mother, each of them bloodless like her. Cut to pieces like her. Arranged perfectly like her. The room covered from roof to floor in blood, just like the container. Dexter closed his eyes. He said... He said it was such a relief to find he wasn't the only one. He broke into my apartment, each of the crime scenes he chose from my family album. Ah, oh, hell. Then he became Deb's boyfriend. I just met this stranger, this guy I thought I'd never met before in my life, and I felt... connected. I felt like I could talk to him, share. He said... He said that with him, I didn't have to pretend. With him, I could rest from having to put on an exhausting face of love and caring and happiness and just rest. Dexter's voice was shaking and his breathing was shallow. That now, we could do what we did best together. Dexter shook his head. Pretend. He was my brother. He sang to me when I had nightmares. Patched up my knee, played hide-and-seek, and even drenched in our mother's blood, he'd stay strong and tell me everything was going to be okay. He was my big brother. And I killed him. Dexter's last words came out as nothing but a whisper. I chose a fake sister who wished her father never brought me home, who would abandon me without a second thought if she knew that I was the way that I am. Over my blood brother, who was the only one in the world who could accept me. He swallowed heavily. All because Harry taught me you never kill an innocent. I idolized him, lived by the rules he set me, and never strayed from them. But Harry made us. He taught me how to kill, how to never get caught. He left Brian at the mercy of a men mental institution in the fucking 70s. 
I was six when I first felt it. The need to kill. Dokes could do nothing but listen in pure horror and fascination. But Harry taught me never to kill. At least not without knowing they deserved it, never an innocent. But no one was around to tell Brian that. He said... He said he loved me. That no matter what, I was his little brother, and by killing him, I would do the right thing. Dokes turned by in time to see the tears slip down Dexter's face. But if it was the right thing, why does it hurt so much? He asked, looking up at the taller man with an almost childish expression. Why does my throat feel like it's burning, and my chest like I'm drowning, and my heart just hurts? Why am I... why am I crying? I've never been able to cry for anything. Not for my mother, not for Harry when he died and I still idolized him. I've never felt fear or regret. Why do I all feel it now? Why in those few times I was with him, why did I feel? Dokes did the only thing he could think of and pulled the crying young man into an embrace. I miss him so much. Dexter sobbed, his tears soaking into Dokes' shirt. Even with everything he did... He was my brother. Not knowing what else to do, Dokes just held him. They talked for many more hours. They talked about each of Dexter's kills. Dokes had at first wanted to turn him in, but in the end, after hearing the names of those who had come under Dexter's knife, he chose not to. Many of those men he had been itching to kill himself. They were the scum of the earth. As for Brian, the ice truck killer, Dokes' brother had been a soldier, just like him. And he'd seen him do some horrifying shit with a fucking smile on his face, and now, ten years later, he still grieved for his brother. He couldn't blame Dexter for doing them the same. The end. That was pretty good. Yeah, dog. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. That was like a serious grown-up fan fiction. I know, I did a thing. <laughs> you did do a thing. It's okay, just wait till we get to the one I wrote. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, I knew I knew there was a reason, but that's fine. Alright. What up, B? What'd you bring to the table? Well, I have Inev- <laughs> no, Inevitability uh, by Narok uh, 1138, I guess. Um, so, yeah. It was only 8 in the morning, and it was already miserably hot and muggy outside, even for Miami. Dexter's clothes stuck to him as he climbed out of the car, for, forcing him to, whoa, forcing him to stop to peel them off of his limbs before proceeding to the house. It was a pleasant-looking one-story house painted white. The lawn was neatly trimmed, and the trees had delicate strands of Spanish moss hanging down almost to the ground. Dexter approached the police barrier that surrounded the house. A small clump of curiosity seekers had already begun to gather, many of them still wearing thin bathrobes over light nightgowns or boxers and t-shirts, whispering to one another about the fate that had befallen their neighbor during the long, hot night. Dexter flashed his ID at the officer, standing guard at the barrier set up around the house. The officer flagged him in, looking bored. Detective Angel Batista met him at the front door, looking grim. It's a bad one, my friend, Angel warned him. Don't worry, I skipped breakfast, Dexter Dexter assured him, stepping inside. The smell of blood hung in the air like incense. Dexter breathed breathed it in deeply, but subtly, and took in the side of the living room. The body of a 30-something woman lay on the floor nearby with her back to him. Her t-shirt had been brutally torn away from her body and was attached to her by one sleeve. Vince Masuka was on the other side of the body, kneeling in front of her and examining something. He noticed Dexter come in and motioned him over. Dexter carefully stepped around the body, making note of some blood on the baby blue carpet and the white sofa. As he came around to the front of the body where Mazuka stood, he saw the victim's face, what was left of it. He really did a number on her, Mazuka said quietly. Dexter didn't reply. He was mesmerized by what he saw. The victim's face was one big bruise. Her eyes swollen shut. Her nose was so badly broken it was nearly flattened and some teeth were missing. Dried blood covered her once lovely lips and formed a small puddle under her cheek. Did he beat her to death? Dexter wondered, intrigued. It was an awfully messy way to kill someone, and it may have injured the perpetrator in the process. Dexter's eyes wandered down to the dead woman's arms, barely noticing the exposed breasts. Her arms were covered with defensive bruises, and one of her long, painted fingernails was broken. 
She fought her attacker valiantly and possibly kept a small piece of him for safekeeping when she'd scratched him. Wordlessly, Dexter met Masuka's eyes and pointed to the victim's hands. Masuka nodded. Let's hope so. Outside of the house, Angel was listening to one of the officers report on some noises a neighbor had claimed to hear late at night. Suddenly, he noticed a man and a woman in black suits at the police barrier showing some sort of identification to the officer stationed there. The officer hesitated, shot Angel a helpless look, exchanged a few words with the suits, and let them in. The suits headed directly for Angel. Uh-oh, he thought. He excused himself from the op- officer speaking to him and met the suits halfway. Detective Batista, I'm Agent Mulder. This is Ang- Agent Scully. We're with the FBI. Oh, fucking course! <laughs> the man said as the two of them showed their credentials. What can I do for you? Angel said courteously, thinking to himself, they better not be trying to take over my crime scene. What can you tell us about the victim so far? Agent Mulder asked. Angel shrugged. We haven't finished processing the crime scene. Mulder rephrased the question. What do you think happened? Angel folded his arms around his chest, thinking before responding. Upon first glance, it appears to be the work of a serial rapist we've been after. The bedroom window was jimmied open. The victim was beaten in her bed while she slept, then dragged into the living room where her clothes were ripped from her body. She was raped, then beaten again. It fits this guy's MO, but he's never killed anyone before. So either this is his first kill or he didn't do this. We'll know more once we finish processing the crime scene. Mulder took note of the detective's emphasis on the last sentence and let a smile tease his lips as he pulled a few folded pages out of his pocket and handed it to the detective. Angel unfolded the pages and read them carefully, his expression slowly changing from skepticism to alarm. Where did you get this? Angel asked Mulder. It was posted on an internet site for amateur fiction writers two days ago, the agent replied. Two days ago? Angel repeated. There's more. The lovely redhead named Agent Scully piped up. The anonymous author of this story has written three more stories in the last month. Each were posted between one and three days before the crimes took place. Mulder handed Angel several more pages. Each crime is described in perfect detail. So far, all attempts to locate the author have failed. I don't understand, Angel said. They don't seem to be related. How could one person be involved in all of these cases? We don't exactly believe that the person who wrote these is responsible for the events they describe, Mulder explained. We think it's possible they are experiencing some form of precognition and mistaking it for inspiration for these stories. They might not even be aware that these stories are happening in real life. Angel gave each agent a long and strange look. I didn't realize the FBI had an interest in fortune tellers. We investigate paranormal phenomena. Sergeant James Stokes, who had been listening nearby, snorted. Sounds like Dexter's area of expertise. Maybe you should introduce them to him, Angel. Maybe we'll get lucky and they'll take them back to the home planet. Angel rolled his eyes but reluctantly agreed. He does have an act for solving the really strange cases. I'd like to meet him, Mulder said. Is he on duty today? He's in there processing the crime scene, Angel pointed to the house. He's in forensics. Dexter read each of the short stories carefully. He recognized all of them, although he'd only worked on one of them, the bar fight. It happened about a month ago at a seedy gay bar, Cock of the Walk. A young guy went there to find a date, but the date's jealous ex showed up and started a fight, resulting in the young guy getting several stab wounds in his belly that proved deadly. The ex was currently awaiting trial for his murder. The story Agent Mulder had pulled off of the internet was hauntingly detailed, down to what each of the characters was wearing, what they were drinking, even the backstory behind when and where the jealous ex had brought bought the knife he used two years ago at a garage sale in Winter Park. You're sure this was posted before the stabbing, Dexter asked, holding up the tale in question. Yes, Mulder nodded, they all were. Could it be someone with computer knowledge who changed the timestamp of the post, he suggested. It's not, Mulder assured him. I've been monitoring monitoring this site personally for over a week. Well, then I don't see how this could be a cop or a reporter or anyone else with inside knowledge, Dexter says slowly, but I don't think this is the work of a serial killer. I didn't say it was, Mulder said. Each of these cases is completely unrelated to one another, and in two of them, the killer killer has already been found. The first one was a stay-at-home mother who got sick of her baby crying and drowned him in the sink. She told police that he'd been, she'd been bathing him and left for a moment to go pee, then found the body when she came back. The water in the baby's lungs had dish soap and particles of food in it. She wasn't bathing her child. She was washing dishes. The second one you're familiar with, Mulder went on, an insanely jealous ex-boyfriend kills the guy his former lover is seeing in a crowded bar in front of no fewer than a 100 witnesses. He was apprehended two blocks away from the 
bar by police officers. According to the story, the murder weapon was tossed down a storm drain, which is precisely where it was recovered two days later. What about the mugger? Dexter asked, holding up the third story. A man was robbed while trying to draw $20 from an ATM. The perpetrator hasn't been caught yet. No, he hasn't, Mulder agreed, but according to our, our anonymous friend, the mugger is going to attempt another ATM holdup in three days. Only this time, the would-be victim will have a gun in her purse to use against him. Okay, so basically we have to wait for three days to see if a mugger gets shot? Dexter said doubtfully. No, we don't, Mulder sorted through the stories and pulled out the last one. We examined the evidence. If the facts in this story match the facts in the crime scene, we'll know we're dealing with someone with detailed knowledge of future events. Then all we have to do is find him. Or her, Scully added. Dexter frowned. This can't be real. There must be some trick to it. There's no way somebody could be seeing the future and writing about it. This isn't the Twilight Zone. It's Miami. Still, if what these feds say is true, I could be in serious trouble. I'll have to find them before they do. The end. So, we got Dexter... X-Files, and I'm gonna say Supernatural, because it sounds like some Chuck shit's happening. It does, doesn't it? You know, I'd like to say that's the most Buckwild crossover Dexter's ever had. It, it, would you say that? If oh, I, no. if I hadn't written the true most Buckwild Dexter crossover earlier today. Okay, lay it on me. But, well, before we get into that, Brenna, I mean, I want to talk about this thing we're doing where we're reading out stories for people's ears to hear, and I just wish there was a way people could hear it, but for whole entire books. I don't know. It sounds kind of boring to me. That's, Brenna, that's, don't say that about her sponsor. <laughs> It's that's the our, best thing ever. I love it. That's our sponsor, Brenna. And that sponsor is Audible.com. That's right. Audible is where you get access to over 170,000 audiobooks uh, directly to your phone. There's my book, Quizzle Corp, Quizzle Corp Risen. They're all available for you on there. And you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash network. You get a free audiobook. It supports us. It's win-win. So check out my stuff. Or, Brenna, what have you been jamming too well me i'm listening to the ladies guide to petticoats and piracy which is awesome and you guys should read it but only after you listen to slash read the first book so you should have someone read it to you at audibletrial.com slash bs network i should i should mention that uh the the guy that plays tom riddle reads the first book in the series. Oh, oh. daddy. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, now it's time to get on to mine. And I usually don't name them, but I just kind of threw this name onto it. It's called Putting a Name to a Face to a Voice. And it is a story wherein Dexter meets a dark passenger. <clears throat> <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're scared already. I am. Happy Halloween. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tonight's the night. Dexter Morgan writes these words down in a notepad as he surveys his surroundings, an aged wooded cabin with a crackling fire roaring in the background. He strokes his beard as he leans back in a chair and takes a heavy breath. I've spent so many years now without a purpose. I may not have emotion, but I knew I had a purpose. I had to save the world from the darkness of others. I had to feed my dark passenger with the remains of others. Now, now there's nothing but silence. A violently loud silence that I can't ignore. I have to feed my passenger again. Dexter stares down at the paper lit by candlelight. He smiles as he looks up to see a table featuring all of his favorite toys, hypodermic needles, scalpels. All of the favorites were on display before him. He slowly stands as he walks over to begin hanging plastic sheeting. The pristine condition of the cabin was no accident either, as Dexter had spent the last few hours making sure everything was perfect for this kill. By the time he was done, the entire cabin was draped in the opaque plastic as Dexter slowly approached the table. He smiled as he slowly put on his rubber gloves, each giving a satisfying snap as he placed them over his hands. He knew after so many years without killing, this one had to be special. It had to be someone whose sins could never be forgiven, no matter how many gods they prayed to. He slowly reaches down and strokes a finger across a needle. 
It was filled with a clear liquid that acted as a tranquilizer to stop his victims from squirming. He smiles as he picks it up and slowly injects it into his right arm. Dexter gives a quiet moan as the liquid fills his veins, acting as more of a drug than a tranquilizer. A smile crawls across his face as his body begins to dance around, the sedative causing his movements to slow and become more fluid. At this point, he reaches over and grabs a scalpel and begins to spin in circles with the blade like some sort of twisted ballerina. As the high of the drug seems to reach its peak, Dexter smiles as he drags that scalpel across his arm, sending a spurt of blood onto the wall. He stares at that blood spatter with a knowing smile. He was creating a masterpiece. Morgan continued this twisted dance for the following minutes, finding the most vital veins in his body and slicing them open to send a spurt of blood onto the wall. This ecstasy could only last for so long, however, as he began to grow weak from blood loss. He fell to his knees and began to play in that red liquid, using it as a form of paint to create a sick painting underneath him. Just as his muscles begin to give out, Dexter ends his performance with a final act of gusto, placing the blade against his throat and slicing it open. One final blood spatter shoots across the wall as Dexter smiles, his eyes closing and blacking out forever. Number 23. Last call for number 23. A voice calls over an intercom as Dexter's, as Dexter's eyes slowly begin to open once again. He growled as he momentarily considered that it was all a dream, the beautiful painting, the artistic suicide, but it was far too vivid to be a dream. I mean, even if it was, why would he fall asleep in a place like this? His eyes focus as he finds himself in what appears to be a waiting room filled with cigarette smoke and horrifying creatures lining the walls. Where the hell am I? Dexter wonders cautiously as he looks over to a small dispenser reading, Take a Number. He looks around momentarily before reaching out and taking a number from the machine. He looks down at the slip of paper to see the number 7,323 written out in bold letters. As the intercom once again calls out for number 23, Dexter realizes that he's going to be here for a very long time. He slowly makes his way over to an empty spot between two... Humans? I mean, at least they look human. Or like they once were. At this point, Dexter looks down at his arms to see two large gashes appearing up each wrist. His eyes widen as he reaches up and feels the gash where he had slit his throat not moments prior. He swallows and can actually feel the saliva moving down his esophagus. It was a strange sensation to say the least. His breath quickens as he looks around to see the other humanoids around him, all sporting similar injuries as well, mangled messes of what they once were. You alright, buddy? A voice asks next to him. Dexter turns nervously to see a man with a massive bullet hole through the center of his head. His eyes widen as the man scratches his head before putting a finger in the hole as if to clean it out. Dexter retches as the man smiles and puts an arm around him. Ah, don't worry. I was just lucky when I ended up here. Ah, you get used to it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. It's not that Dexter was unnerved at the sight of someone with a bullet hole in his head or a massive gash running up their stomach. It's just that he wasn't used to seeing them move around so much. He sighs as he leans back in his chair and relegates himself to the fact that he's going to be waiting for a very long time. So, how long have you been here? Me? I don't really remember, really. Tom moves a bit weird around here. The man smiles as he looks down at his paper, which reads 757. Dexter raises an eyebrow until he looks up at the clock, which was ticking by at an agonizingly slow pace, before suddenly shooting forward three minutes, then reversing back two. The clock then slowed to the pace of a normal timepiece, before lazily slowing down once again. It continued this mockery of time-telling as Dexter groaned. He knew he would have to wait. So he did. His time out in the Pacific Northwest made Dexter an expert at sitting, sitting idly by while not much really happened. As time went on, he saw men go into that door and then never return. He saw people appear in line in front of the take-a-number box, each with their own grotesque injuries. Some were blue from asphyxiation, others were coughing up blood. And much like the bullet-riddled man next to him said, Dexter got used to it. Eventually, after a length of time that can either be described as 10 centuries or 70 hours, Dexter heard his name called. 
He couldn't believe it at first, being so used to hearing arbitrary numbers it called every few moments, but eventually someone nudged him forward, and as he stepped towards that door, he wasn't sure what awaited him on the other side. He never had much thought about the afterlife, but he knew after the life he had led, it wouldn't be good. The one thing Dexter never expected to see, however, was a small woman with a hole in her neck. All right, Mr. Morgan, nice to meet you today. She comments as she consecutively smokes two cigarettes, one through her mouth and the other through her tracheotomy. She flips through a rather large folder in front of her as she smirks. Well, it looks like you've had quite a life, my friend. Pretty good for business, too. Sent a lot of folks my way. So what? Are you the Grim Reaper or something? Grim Reaper? Sweetheart, I know I look rough, but come on, I can't be that bad. She smirks as she sits Dexter down at a desk, handing him a small tome which reads, Handbook for the Recently Deceased. No, no, my name is Juno, and I'll be your caseworker. Caseworker? Well, sweetheart, we, we gotta find somewhere for you to go, don't we? She smiles as she takes another drag off her cigarette. Can't have you just haunting every little place willy-nilly. No, no, you gotta have a place to stay. Oh. Oh, I see. What? Dexter's eyes furrow as she smiles, reading through his file. She quickly reaches underneath her desk and begins packing up her things, throwing them into a suitcase. Oh, God, I haven't had a vacation in almost a millennia. Thank God you came along, you beautiful, stupid man, you. She stands and quickly hugs him before rushing him over into her seat and throwing him in. His eyes widen as she begins tossing file after file in front of him, lighting a cigarette and putting it in his mouth. All right, here's your next 50 clients, a handbook on how to take care of them, and a pack of menthols. Take care, and next time you see me, I'll be hanging with the sandworms. Wait, 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 what? What's going on? Well, you killed yourself, stupid! She comments with a smile before patting him on the head. And up here, suicides lead to one job and one job only. Caseworker. And with that, Juno quickly leaped out of the room, leaving Dexter alone and confused. He nervously thumbs through his first few clients before opening the handbook. He attempts to study the new role that he had been thrust into, but quickly gives up and slams his head against the table. He left his life in order to run away from monotony, to run away from a lack of purpose, but he only found more of it waiting on the other side. Suddenly, he hears the sound of sliding papers. He looks up to see his case file being slowly drug away from the desk. He stands up and attempts to grab at them, but they're quickly snatched away, being pulled across the floor on what appeared to be a long rope with black and white stripes. He stands and gives chase, running after the rope and the important files that were attached to the end of it. This leads Dexter Morgan on a chase throughout the waiting room and into a long hallway with numerous doors on each side. Dexter closes the, the gap between himself and the folder and quickly leaps, attempting to snatch it away. Unfortunately, he overshoots and sends himself careening into one of the doors. It opens, and suddenly he falls into a massive desert of sand. At least, he would if he wasn't suddenly caught. He looks up to see that same black and white rope wrapped around his ankle. He attempts to climb up when he looks off into the distance to see a massive worm with horrifying teeth crawling his way. He struggles against gravity as the worm nearly bites him in two when suddenly the rope retracts. Dexter finds himself pulled up back through the door and into the hallway. He attempts to stand, but the rope continues to drag him. He looks down at the hook that's grabbed him around the leg, only to find that it's not a hook at all. It's a hand. He stares down in confusion as he gets pulled into another door where he lands with a thud into a pile of garbage. The hand releases its grasp as Dexter attempts to crawl out of the disgusting pile of trash. As he emerges, however, he finds the owner of that hand holding his case file. Whoo, okay, sorry about that there, big man. The figure, the figure comments, sporting a suit which was colored in the same strap, striped pattern as the rope, which was now revealed to, his, to be his arm. The figure had dark eyes and massive hair that seemed to defy gravity around his balding head. What the hell is going on? What? You mean the sandworms? Yeah, yeah, real problem around these parts. Darn things ain't three of my ex-wives and only two of them was on purpose. <laughs> he laughs as he begins to flip through the case file. Dexter lunges forward in an attempt to grab it, but the man simply moves out of the way, forcing De Dexter to land into another pile of garbage. Woo, buddy, let me tell you, this is some good stuff right here. 
Got everything a ghoul like me could want. Murder, mystery, I think you banged your sister at one point. I, I, I never banged. Just give me the file back. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. I gotta see how this thing ends. The creature reaches the end of the file, then grimaces as he looks up at Dexter. Really? You become a lumberjack and... that's it? Uh, well, looks like we're gonna need another ending for you there, buddy. So what? You're like a time traveler or something? Can change what happened? Oh, no, absolutely not. No, 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 I can't do that. I'm, I'm just a simple man. Used to be a caseworker just like you. What happened? Well, according to Juno, I don't work well with others. According to me, she's a bitch and wouldn't let me do my damn job. And what exactly is your job? Dex, do, do you mind if I call you Dex? You see, people come in those doors every single day, and all they want's a normal life. They want their homes back, they want their TV, their Netflix specials, whatever, and the damn living keep, keep taking that away from them. They move in the house, eat their food, bang their daughters, all sorts of nonsense. So, that's where I come in. I make sure the living stay out of the affairs of the dead. I'm, uh... And, uh, what's that word? An exterminator of sorts. What's your name? And you see, Dex, after reading this case file, I think you are just, oh, perfect. The number one guy to join me in my business. You know why? Because ain't no living people going to keep interfering with our business if they ain't living no more. All right, all right, that's well and good, but what's your name? We can't exactly start a business together if I don't know your name. All right, you know, you know, Dex, I, I like you, really do. Love your name, but if I if I tell it to you, you're gonna start telling your friends. They start calling me over trying to get autographs. It's this whole problem. But the way I figure it is, you didn't leave your life because you hated killing. You left your life because you weren't doing it no more. You're up being a lumberjack playing Wolverine in the fucking woods. So I'm giving you a chance to get back in the game. And this time, ain't no more worrying about consequences because you're already dead. Come on, what else are they going to do to you? So what do you say, big man? We got a deal? The man smiles as he extends an old, decrepit hand towards Dexter. He flashes a smile of yellowing teeth, bugs crawling across his gums. Dexter looks down at his hand and the massive gash running above it. Dexter seems hesitant for a moment, looking back towards the door where he could return to his normal life as a caseworker. Ah, come on, man, just shake my hand. It'll all be all right. We got this figured out. Dexter suddenly feels his wrist grabbed as the monstrous creature forces his hand into his. The two shake hands for a moment as Dexter grimaces. But suddenly that grimace grows into a massive smile as Dexter looks into the beast's dark eyes. Dexter knew he couldn't go back. He knew he had to feed his dark passenger, and it was nice to finally put a face to that dark voice that's been in his head for so many years. Dexter releases the handshake before commenting, You've got a deal. On one condition. Tell me your name. The man smiles. The end. I liked that, and I was very worried at first, but you did so well. I don't know what it is about the goofy ones, but they always, like, first fourth of them are always the worst shit in the world. I don't, I don't see where you, what? Well, the John Cena or on high school one I did starts with a woman like getting beaten up and her head shaved. This one starts with Dexter killing himself. Oh, well, yeah, that was a bit disconcerting, but I was I was ready to stay there for you until you reached the good stuff. So <laughs> where it needed to happen. Yeah, it gave me some redemption, which you know what? You did. And if that was the ending to Dexter, I think I would have been okay with it. <laughs> I just knew I'm like, it's Halloween and Dexter's kind of spooky, but we got to get real spooky. <laughs> really spooky. We, we need the ghost, the, the ghost with the most babes. That now I must say that your Beetlejuice voice is superb. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It's fine. It's because uh, at, when we went to Universal Studios, I just kept seeing Beetlejuice everywhere, and I'm like, I want to go talk to him so bad. <laughs> Why didn't you? Well, mostly because I knew him from when I worked at Universal. Oh, yeah. 
It's very weird to be in the Universal Cafeteria and be getting pizza, and then Beetlejuice just strolls up next to you and is like, yeah, so you got some pepperoni. Very good, man. That's some good shit. Yeah, I'd be a little freaked out. All right, thanks, buddy. Um, And technically, this should be the last episode of Spooky Ween, because it is coming out, like, the day before the spook day. Yeah. But since we skipped an episode, Brenna, I think it's only fair to, to you... To have your own spooky, your final spooky episode, and I'm so scared. It's gonna be fine. I keep telling you that it's not that bad, but you don't listen to me. Brenna, you're acting like this is a dream, when it's really a nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, next week we're doing a nightmare on Elm Street, so make sure to send in your fan fiction for that so we can read it out loud and hopefully make me not be a spook boy. He'll be okay. Um, and then this is the first one that, like, seven-year-old Breno would have... Oh, yes, hello. (laughs) You'll get a glimpse of, actually, I was nine, but nice to meet you. Yes, little Breno. You're gonna love it, I swear to God. So, check that out next week. Send in all your fanfiction at aloadofpurebs.com for Nightmare, or just any other fanfiction, because we're thinking about doing, like, a full YouTube channel of fanfiction readings. So, like, send in whatever, and it could probably get read on the channel. So make sure to check that out. Brenna, where can people find you on the internet? Look me up about anywhere your heart desires. That's uh, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. That's Brenna Soar people and you can find me on the twitter machine at scotty mo s-c-o-t-t-y-e-m-o and make sure to buy all my books on amazon the queasel corp trilogy bs versus the gods they're all available over there for you ladies and gentlemen so check that out check out all the other shows at a load of pure bs.com and if you'd like to support us and the new baby <laughs> you can at patreon.com slash a load of bs pick up some merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com or of course just get you a free trial of audible audibletrial.com slash bs network and of course make sure to rate comment subscribe and until next time miss brenna guess what stay away from baby hitler y'all surprise motherfuckers it's baby hitler oh, God. <laughs>